episode 106. This is Greg Duncan. And this is Martin Woodard. How are you doing, Greg? I am doing outstanding right now. My goodness, why is that? That's, that's... I am jumping up and down. You know, I was going to start the show off uh, about 10 minutes ago being all, I don't know if I should, well, we're safer, being butthurt about not going to build still. I was just going to be very upset. Grumpy. And grumpy and there you go, that's a better word. Stupid, you know. Uh, and then all of a sudden I got the, the alert and I'm off the wedding list. I can register for build. I'm going to build. Yay. Awesome news. That's fantastic. I'm sorry. So, I'm not going to be there. I'm afraid I've got, um, I told you, did I mention it last time? I'm, I'm going to be on yeah. holiday instead. So yep. vacation. So, uh, but yeah, I'm sorry. I'll miss you, but it's going to be a good week. So I'm, I'm still you going. It's going to be, it should be fun. That's really, that's really good. Well, now we have a show scheduled for the 31st. Show yeah, 100- we'll change that one. I'm afraid I'll be, uh, I'll be in New York on holiday. That day. All right. Well, maybe I'll just grab somebody and. Why you? That'd be awesome. Do an interview show. Uh, that, I have no idea how to do that. <laughs> Figure that out. I mean, you and I did it sitting on the floor in the back hallway there at the Scony Center. But if you want to uh, buy toys, I can show you some good toys to buy. So anyway, but we'll we'll talk about that one offline. Yeah. Okay. Um. That's, that's excellent news, though. No. So you also, are you all signed up already? Have you done it? No, because we were just like we're in the pre-show oh, when dude. the email popped up. So uh, I've got two days to do it. I'll, I'll do it quickly, so I'm not hanging there. Probably okay. as soon as we're done recording this, and get your hotel uh, booked as well, because San Francisco hotels are never the best. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. And I plan to stay at the Marriott. I stayed at the Marriott last year, and that location, either that or the Intercontinental, though being right next to the the um, conference center was awesome i just loved that i yeah, i would uh, i would go for the marriott if i were you for reasons yeah, i'm yeah. not sure are public yet but i would try the marriott so okay yeah that was i was i was pretty happy with that i stayed at union square the last two times before that and that was just too much of a hike man you know when you want to like go to your room for a just you know skip a session or something it was too far so yeah no i do well, i always stay up at the the i always stayed up at union square but I, it is it is quite a hike but you know keeps yeah. you fit so that was where i bought my microsoft band was san francisco so it was good i got to rack up the steps early on so <laughs> so what else is happening wow well we've been um Apologies if anyone noticed, I emailed Greg at like 4 a.m. in the morning my time saying, hey, Greg, I'm sorry, the site's gone down. I'm tired. I'll fix it when I wake up. And then I emailed him again saying the site's back up. I'm hoping you were asleep, like you woke up and saw two emails. Is that what happened? It's exactly what happened. I'm waking up and I was all like, oh, it's broken. Oh, it's fixed. Oh, okay. Yeah, great. I'm good. Yeah, yeah, it was my fault completely. So um, apologies to any listeners that were affected. Uh, the um, the good news is I got an email alert when it happened. So that's quite nice. But the, um, yeah, what happened was I'd been playing with my son on doing some stuff, as usual, has happened last time, and accidentally uh, left a VM running on my same subscription um that i have radio tfs running on and uh-huh. it hit the spending limit and so switched yourself off. and i was like oh i was like oops <laughs> and to be fair to azure they had sent me an email warning before they switched it off but i didn't see that one and then uh yeah so then i got you know got an alert saying the site had gone down went checking in my email and uh yep there was the email saying hey we're gonna have to save everything because you have a spending limit and you've not got unpaid bills so i was like oh crap 
So I um I I get very nice. So I just went and paid. Well, it's funny we talk about using your you know MSDM subscriptions. Make sure you use it and you know all that good kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah. yeah. No, definitely. So make sure you use you were using it. Yeah, but you can burn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can burn through that. You can burn through some books if you leave like D series VMs running. So. <laughs> Anyway, live and learn. So uh, the the top post for the you know the top link for this week um, is a, a good blo- the best blog post I could find on enabling automate. It's from uh, Carsten Lem, and it's on um, automating your Azure virtual machines, so you can actually get them to you know start up and shut down on a schedule and things like that. And you know, and it takes you through all the automation and then using the scheduler and all sorts of things. And it's you know, there's been a few posts like this, but this was about the best one I found and about the easiest one. And the scheduler um, doesn't cost anything either. You can use it, you know, as long as you're using it within the limits of a free pricing tier. So it doesn't it doesn't add to your usage, if you know what I mean. So it's pretty awesome. So are you actually using this now? Uh, I'm not yet. I've just got the machine okay. switched off right now. But uh, when oh, okay. I find it back up again, I'm going to be using this. And what I'm thinking of using this for is, so I have a few, I have a few different boxes um in Azure but don't need to be on all the time um but the, the I leave you know I leave some of them on all the time just because it's convenient because I need to I need right. them like multiple times to- I need them during the day but I don't need them while I'm sleeping so I'm going to try using this to actually get them to do that what I would love is actually a um you know a website with some UI with some big that was fast to get into is priority number one because the uh-huh. take a while to start up and then had just had like a stop start buttons you know and some um vms and some um uh, like a timer control you know like you have for your heating system or something like that right just like a like a like a nest for your azure vms or something basically yeah. that's what i want so yeah you know i put a you know obviously the probably there's probably like a ton of them i've just never been able to find one that's free or whatever but um that's what i would love that's that's a feature i would love i guess there's no incentive for them to build it but they <laughs> <laughs> But if you but with this blog post, you can set it up so that if you want, um, you know, because it's really handy to just use your MSDN limit, you know, your MSDN um, allowance to go and uh, have a dev VM in the cloud that's got, you know, the very latest version of Visual Studio running, talking to VSTS in the cloud. And, you know, you're running all the latest bits um, without having to have anything installed in your machine at all. And it's right. really, really, you can even access them from your iPad or whatever. You know, it's awesome. Um, so a highly recommended way of working. But using this blog post we'll link to from Carsten, you can actually have it. So, you know, the VMs are only running while you're actually at work. And then they're switched off when you shouldn't be at work. And then that will encourage you to go home and not work from home. <laughs> despite being able to because of the power of the cloud. But anyway, that's my news. So apologies to everybody. But it's fixed. So what's news on VSTS land? Well, crikey. Look, it's January. <laughs> Just, we talked like every show. We've, we've been regular with the shows this month. And every show we've been going, crikey, they're cranking out stuff. Crikey, they're cranking out stuff. <laughs> Again, it's ridiculous. So uh, Karen Ung drew the short straw this month and did the blog post on the release notes, you know, for this month's release. My goodness me, it was epic. My dissertation in my final year wasn't this long, I don't think. <laughs> So let's go through some stuff. It's, it's just okay. some really, really, really cool stuff. To me, the highlight is the um, 
the improvements they've been doing to the the dashboard you know the main page you go to when you first go to your project um mm-hmm. they've really improved that one of the things they've done is they've actually and um, th- this was talked about uh when they launch dashboards, but the, the the widgets inside the dashboard are actually written as an extension. We talked about it on the show, and right. um, but this is um, part of uh, it's now a, like an extension point. You know, one of the extension points is part of the integration SDK type thing. So you can you know you need a bit of knowledge of the inner workings of JavaScript and whatever, and um, you know, and you need to probably like be Tiago or something like that to really be able to hack around in it. But it's it's really cool. And you can do you can basically do what you want inside your little widget, and you can build your own welcome portal to your to your project, which is brilliant. One of the things they've done as well is they've um, they've added in a bunch of widgets into um, the catalog. So again, this is another trend I'm really pleased to see. They're using their catalogs and their the store and things to actually put in new features that you can sign up to you know rather than just switching them all on they're right there and you can add them and they're but they're using their own marketplace to do their own features as well which is really cool so thrilled to see that um so they've added some build widgets into the catalog they've added a really uh, they had a markdown widget originally which just allow you to like show some text in markdown format but now they can actually you can actually pin it to be any file so you can display in your welcome in your portal you can display um, a widget which is the contents of your readme.md file, for example, in the root of your repository. So, um, and you can change the size of it. Things. So, you know, you, if someone clones the code, then they've got the readme there. But if someone goes mm-hmm. and visits the project, then you can make it so that they see the readme, you know, front and center, and it, you know, helps them get to know the project and look, you know, know the way around. And it's just really, really good. Um, and you can even do that the other way around. So you can be browsing the Markdown file, the README or whatever, in Source Control Explorer and then pin it to the dashboard. You know, there's a little drop-down button you can do and just add it to a dashboard. So amazing. <laughs> um, you can. Speaking of amazing, I'm going I'm to run out of breath. So interrupt me if there's any features you want to talk about, because I'm just so excited with this release. Uh, they've done a new cool feature um, for, for Git-related projects or for projects with a Git repository in them. Now you can have both. Um, so what's a, what's a hu- what's the hugely common workflow with git is to use feature branches so you basically um you you have a thing you want to work on you create a feature branch you work on it and then you submit a pull request to uh and that's the point of code review so that says hey here's the feature i think it's done I would like to, you know, check it into the main line of code to master. I would like to merge it into master. Can you please code review it? And then you have a code review in your pull request. You have a discussion and people say, oh, you know, fix this, fix that, fix this. You submit your changes. You push them up back up to your branch. And then you can see that all happening in, in, the, in, the, in the timeline in the pull request. So you can actually say, you know, Greg said fix this typo. And then you see a change coming in after, after you left that line comment saying, you know, fixing typo. And then you can see that it's changed. And so you get that whole chronology there. And then when you merge it, you want to close out the work item. 
That's an incredibly common workflow. So what they've done is they've added to work items the ability to create a new branch from the work item. Ta-da! So you just in the, so you create a work item that says go fix something. You know, uh, you then go down. There's a little drop down in the uh, right hand corner, and you do mm-hmm. new branch. You create a, and you can just create a branch straight away from the work item in your Git repository, and then it associates that branch. When you do the pull request, that branch is associated with the work item, with the related artifact, so that when when you do the you know when you do the merge, people know it's associated with that work item. So awesome, wow. yeah. And you can do the same thing from. Um, I've been using the, the the Kanban boards more and more. I'm actually using them for like strange stuff, but I just find it a really good way of organizing things. Um, mm. And one of the things, one of the things I'm doing at a minute is with the .NET team, I'm looking at like .NET Core and the the OSS adoption of .NET Core. You know, getting different uh, different libraries and things supporting .NET Core. So if you want to build, you you know, use your favorite .NET library, then you've got an example there. And I'm tracking how people are getting on with that using a big Kanban board because it's great because I can just drag right. and drop when different projects move to different statuses and all this sort of stuff, and it gives me a really good high level view of where the ecosystem is so anyway there we go um the only thing it doesn't give me is public access to it which i would love team but anyway we'll get there at some point hopefully and then uh what else have we got there's um yeah one of my favorites i I do want to jump in on that something that we've talked about before is the view past test results and file bugs on the build summary page. So one of the, the yeah. you know more common asks that we've talked about before is to be able to view past test results in addition to the failed test results on the build summary page. So you can see all of those test results. Yep. Uh, and you can do all the, there's nice. other sorts of widgets in there as well, like the code coverage and other, you know, it just, it's just looking so nice, isn't it? And even like yeah. the UI to customize the dashboard, it's just looking really sweet. It looks really just modern and nice and clean and, you know, really good. It very new and fresh and not at all. Not at all Microsoft. Well, no, it does look Microsoft y, but it's like the new Microsoft. You know, it's really nice. One of the best things I've seen, sorry, that's really good, that only got a small call out in the blog post, is about um, being able to auto refresh a dashboard. So, why would mm-hmm. you want to do that? Let's imagine you want to have a dashboard on a TV in your hallway around the office. And you want to be able to update it every five minutes so that as people are walking around, they can see the latest build statuses, they can see where all the bugs are, all that sort of thing. You can just do that really easily now. You just the box they auto refresh dashboard every five minutes and you configure the you can configure the dashboard which you want to auto refresh um and then edit it from your desk how awesome is that that is I, I, how could we not have that i, I mean i know it's brilliant it's digital signage and yeah. what's even better uh 35 dollars buy a raspberry pi it's got a web browser put it into kiosk mode with the url hard-coded of the team room you know like the team room dashboard that you want to display and um job's done <laughs> plug it into the usb cable to get the power plug it into the hdmi lead to display boom you're done and you can you can no need to faff around med- messing about with the dis- you know with the computer that's attached to the tv you just go to your desk update the dashboard that's displayed on the tv and it'll auto update itself in five minutes time it's amazing <laughs> <sighs> but, so anything else yeah anything well else yeah, list? yeah i mean this but, list is like monstrous I, yeah. I, I there's there's the test plan stuff that i know that you've liked a lot 
Yeah, and uh, not just the test plan stuff. If, um, again, we're using the marketplace to um, add uh, the exploratory testing extension. So, you know, exploratory testing is basically I want to go, like, hack around in my site and go do some stuff and then, like, record bugs when things go wrong and things. And mm-hmm. Well, that, that um, extension is now available in the marketplace. Again, they're using that. They've added a bunch of keyboard shortcuts into the source control explorer area, the code hub, as they call it nowadays, um, inside of, uh, you know, um, yeah, when you're browsing code, there's a bunch of source, you know, keyboard shortcuts. Everyone loves keyboard right. shortcuts. Oh, yeah. uh, um, you can bulk edit tags when you're doing a bulk edit on work items. So tags were always, you know, were implemented, but were always kind of like a bit of a, a bit of a stepchild feature kind of thing. Not for, you know, now you can do bulk edit, which is cool. Um, uh, what else? Uh, when you're doing the, um, there's a bunch of enhancements to exploratory testing as well, and just really nice looking feature. Um, in the uh, release management stuff, they've just done a huge raft of new features again because the release management is really. They're obviously doing a lot of work on that feature. So, you know, there's big new chunks of functionality arriving over time. So there's better control over the environments. There's, you know, help with doing the triggering. Uh, there's, um, you know, scheduling and when you want to deploy to an environment. So you don't, you know, make sure you don't deploy until after midnight. I mean, that sort of thing and better control over who you want to be an approver for a deployment and the retention policy for releases and it's just blah 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 just so much stuff <laughs> I, I think that's the the show title the january 25th release and other stuff blah 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 so much stuff <laughs> blah 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 <laughs> Hey, another one. You know how they mm-hmm. added the ability? No, no, we're done, man. No, 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 it shows up. Okay, want one more? Oh, okay. Yeah, one more. How about, this would be my last <laughs> one on this on the on the first blog post. This is all we've got. <laughs> the entire show. Um, it's only 20 minutes in. We're good. Yeah, okay, cool. So, uh, we've, you know, we've, we've spoken a while ago. They added, well, not a, a while ago, this year, so it wasn't that long, probably, was it? I don't know. They added um, uh, the ability to have Git and TFPC projects in the same team project in, in right. SES. Well, um, they've, they've added that to this code search functionality as well that exists. So if you're when you're searching for code, it searches across both your Git and your TFEC repositories, which is invaluable. This is why this is actually why the code search feature was built was for for this, you know, when we're at this point where we've got code everywhere and you don't you know you just want to find the place that implements the shopping cart class show me what implements shopping cart and i i I know it's in here somewhere i just know i can't (laughs) find it in my visual studio solution please vsts tell me where it is you can do that so you're welcome there we go awesome Yep, there we are. I'll, I'll shut up now. Surely there's some other news apart from what <laughs> Well, there was one thing that, that I definitely wanted to call out. Uh, Casey Anderson blogged a couple weeks ago or last week on a servicing release for Visual Studio 2015 Update 1 mm-hmm. that I wanted to make sure that we highlighted and l- let everybody know that uh, this is a bug fix kind of release. There's uh, three different issues that it fixes. Basically, a Visual Studio may crash when you edit a C-sharp or, or a VB file while debugging. Um, some uh, uh, 
crashes when doing some C++ stuff, uh, an update um, that fixes an issue that prevents you from creating a new project, or open existing ones if you use Visual Studio 2015 Express for Windows 10. So this is a servicing update. You know, I'm sure this will all get fixed and addressed in update two. But if you're running into any of these things, and, and we'll have the, sh- the links in the show notes, but it's rather um, ironic, the just the thing they, they call out the code to make it fail. And it's, you know, rotation times equals 180 divided by pi dot math crash. It's like, wow. <laughs> cool. Stupid pi. It's not pi day. Hey, I'm going to slip in one uh, quick important, one quick feature, which we'll not cover, but just uh, the pull requests have been improved substantially as well. But uh, we'll maybe cover that in the next show. You know, we'll maybe get some, we could probably get somebody on to talk about that at some point soon as well. So that'd be good. Um, one top tip for you from um, Hossam Kamal uh, is blogged about the ability to actually, um, you know, finally they introduced the feature to uh, rename projects. When right. you when you rename a project, it sends a scary warning. Are you sure you want to do this? And what's really nice is it it sends an email to the people who are you know have the team to say, uh, hey, this has been changed. You might need to do some stuff so you're not okay. broken. Um, well, that email, um, you might want to customize that email. And uh, Hassam had an example of a particular customer that had, uh, you know, definitely needed to um, give some prescriptive guidance and give some context, uh, you know, to the end users for this type of change. Um, mm-hmm. but you, you know, you might have a bunch of stuff you might want to do, like, hey, go, you know, ring Greg and he'll fix it for you kind of thing. Um so uh, Sam blogged about how to actually go in and um, customize the email. Now, notice you can only customize email after um, TFS 2015 update one. That's when uh, project rename the email part came in for you to be able to customize it. So update one is the way to go. And mm-hmm. for those of you that didn't know you could customize emails, I think we did talk about a blog post from Nino about this, like, you know, 2008 timeframe, something like that. It's been wow. around a while. Um, all the emails are actually a bunch of XSLs, um, which are, exist on the server itself. So this isn't when you do this. This isn't like for the light-hearted. This isn't a feature where there's you know crazy stuff like UI. Uh, this is like <laughs> go hacking an XSL, and there'll be dragons if you get it wrong. You know you might not be getting the client alerts come out or anything. So, uh, but there's an MSDN article that tells you how to do it. Uh, that has some links to, and we'll put in the show notes as well. Um, I remember having a conversation with somebody about this a long, 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 long time ago about, oh, what what happens with support on that? You know, what happens when you do an upgrade? I seem to remember that the answer was that if it found any files that had been changed, um, like these XSL files, then it would mm-hmm. keep the old file. So that, which usually is the right thing to do, Unless you changed an email, you know, to do something really trivial, like add a joke in or, you know, don't go changing these emails lightly. Because basically, um, when you do an upgrade, you miss out on new features arriving to these emails and things. And they've got a lot better over the years. So, uh, you know, you don't want to have messed around with them or always you wouldn't have upgrades. I think that's what happens. I'm pretty sure it's still upgrades. However, you know, keep a backup 
and there'll be dragons so uh if you start customizing don't customize these things lightly but if you need if you want to there's a way to do it nice and this is only for tfs not vsts yeah 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 this is only for your on-prem old school tfs server um the, the as i say there's no ui behind this and it's a complete server wide um com- is it, it's a file you're changing on the server so it's a complete server wide change you're doing you can't do it per project or anything like that you are literally editing resource you you are literally editing the resource files on that server so um the reason why these exist is if you have you know a different localized version of tfs say you've got like the french version or something like that or you know whatever version um these files have the translated versions of those emails in them so he can you know that's what that's why they exist that's why they're on the disk ready for you you know able to edit so you're going into the application and hacking around with the resource files so there'll be dragons got it so we've talked about customization before and especially for vsts and that's been one of the blockers uh, of people using that because you know when you're doing on-prem you can use the the process template um, and edit it and tweak it but what do you do for visual studio team services we've got a great post from shadaya sabaya shahoni shahoni just a couple days old, and they're talking about how do you do that customization. And he provides, and these are the guys that, um, oh, actually, what this is, you know what? I should have read the whole post. Remember, we talked about the, um, the .NET Curry magazine for .NET developers? Yeah. The PDF and how awesome this is? Yeah. This is the web version of that. Oh, fantastic. So let's, let's reiterate on how cool, because we that's why we called out that magazine, because of the process customization. So this is the web version of that. So you don't even have to download the PDF if you want to walk through and see all of the steps. We'll have the links in the show notes. It's, it's actually, it's not a long process. There's a lot of screenshots in there, so it seems like it's scrolling a lot. But it shows actually how easy it kind of is and how webified and simplified they've made it that you can tweak your VSTS without a lot of that. If you've ever done it for on-prem, you'll see this and, and and just raise your hands to above and just say, oh my God, how awesome is this? Yeah, definitely. And again, that, um, you know, that uh, Kanban board I've been playing with to help me track some stuff, it's not really traditional work items. So actually the customization stuff has been pretty nice for me to play with. Um, hey, Clemens has done another post as well. We talked about Risk management functionality earlier. Well, Clemens has posted mm-hmm. about um, how to easily um, post to your if you if you use Slack instead of Team Room for your team to uh, communicate. Um, mm-hmm. And Slack's excellent. And Paul Betts, who's an absolute legend contributor to the .NET open source community, works for those guys. So uh, you know, feel free to use Slack if you want to. It's awesome. Um, well, um, if you want to post into your Slack room when you do a release, uh, then you can actually do that. So uh, there's a, um, a VSTS PowerShell task you can just include as part of your release that that goes and you know sends messages over into the chat room when you do the release. Another thing that might be worth looking at um, is uh, to use a thing called um, Zapier, uh, which uh, again we'll put a link in the show notes. And, and Clemens actually does mention this um, uh, when uh, he mentioned. 
this blog post about Zapier and things. So anyway, um, if you want to go over to Zapier, there's a way of getting webhooks from the STS and then making them do other stuff elsewhere. It's a bit like if this, then that for webhooks right. kind of thing. Um, so it's worth looking at as well to see what you can do. So you might not, you might want to go post to, you know, go post to Slack when you've done something in version control or whatever or work items and things. So yeah, take a look at Zapier as well as looking at the um, the, the PowerShell um, uh, task that, that adds in the release management. But what the PowerShell task shows you in particular is how easy it is to do anything as part of release management you can just hook in random bits of powershell or you can run powershell script out in you know deploy something out to azure or or whatever so it's super easy to use and especially if you've used the new build stuff that very very similar nice Nice. So the um, developer support team mm. has has been on a roll recently. Natish, just in the last couple of days, knocked out four different posts from uh, TF Ignore usage in uh, Team Foundation Server, running parallel builds and MS Build using Team Foundation Server 2015 vNext builds, Team Foundation Server update one issue with the default agent pool, Team Foundation Server vNext build hangs and does not start. Yeah. Uh, just, just going on a tear. So, what I like with know. these guys is, you know, the talk, these guys are the experts that talk to customers day in, day out, helping them solve their problems. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, if they're finding something that's like, oh, wow, we should write up some instructions to this, they write a blog post and then point them at it. You know what I mean? And then so this is stuff that, the you know, people are running into. And so they're like, here you go. Here's how you do it. And well, the rest of us get to benefit from that customer asking the question. So brilliant. Love it. More to more support teams should do this, shouldn't they? <laughs> yeah, and yeah, uh, that yeah, the TF ignore yeah. ones worth remembering because people, you know, we talk a lot about Git, obviously, with it being the new kid on the block. But the TF ignore file has been around since TFS. Ooh, uh, it was back in my day. So what, twenty thirteen, twenty twelve, twenty ten? Can't remember now. It's been around a while. Uh, it was been around when local workspaces got added. So, um, and it's the way that you can ignore. Um, files locally, you know, that you don't want to get checked in automatically for you. So there you go. Well, it's that time of show. Mm. Time to start talking about the ALM Rangers. we got uh, two, well, actually one, two, four, five posts from the ALM Rangers, but they're both all related. And they're all related to um, the new extensibility that came out. Willie P blogged about a, you know, what happens when your extension explodes, when it stops working. And he goes through a whole storyline um, giving full credit to Mateus who actually found and fixed this issue that, you know, this is the taste test case explorer extension. And all of a sudden, you know, we start getting emails and then Mateus starts digging into it. Then we start seeing CI builds fail. And then they're all like, you know, 4 a.m. Mateus's time. He starts fixing it and then they roll it out. And just what the symptom was, was that the, the extension referred to a namespace that changed between the M90 and M94 rollout. So it, it's, you know, when you're on the bleeding edge, there's going to be some blood, but I, I just found that I love this kind of transparency, this kind of openness. And he gives a number of good tips. Now, if you're building extensions, Anisha and oh, I have it right here in my notes, Matthias Olson and Walter Don, 
the court have a, a, a four-post series on creating these kind of widgets. Now, these are the dashboard widgets, mm-hmm. not the extensions. So two different types of things. A nice series of four different posts, getting started with the widgets, developing the widgets, <laughs> issues and resolving them with the widgets, and then publishing these widgets. So, you know, we talked about these dashboard widgets earlier and, and how cool they are. You know, the next thing is, you know, they published the preview SDK form. So that's available. Now, if you guys want to go out and build them, first look at these four posts. I'm sure it'll save you a lot of hair. What I quite like about the default template for the widgets is it includes unit tests as well. So nice, which, you know, quite often with these widgety type frameworks, they kind of skip that. But uh, mm-hmm. they don't because these guys have to build widgets for a living. So, uh, you know, they, they think about this sort of thing. It's really cool to see. Nice. Well, you know what? It's getting to be that time of show again. But I, if can you believe it? We have a voicemail. Finally. Well, we've had we voicemails actually... in the past, but one we can use that's not insulting. <laughs> well, I don't know. Since... Since actually I've been on, I don't know if we've had any voicemails. Uh, no, we, we, no, we, we've had one from you. We've had one or two from you testing, make sure it still works. Right, right, it. right. But uh, Tim Farrell, I want to give you a shout out, and let's let's just hear his voicemail. Let's give this a try and see if it's going to work. Hello, Greg Martin and the whole Radio TFS team. This is Tim Farrell. Uh, Greg, we met at MVP Summit, uh, which was awesome, and thanks for the Radio TFS sticker. Uh, you guys have been asking for a call in, so here you go. I'm a big fan of the podcast, so keep up the great work. Uh, my favorite episodes this past year uh, was the last episode of the year with Esteban, the Connect Recap episode, uh, and, of course, the Angela Duggan episode. I'd love it if you guys had her back in 2016, uh, as well as Josh Scarverick, who's an MVP and ALM Ranger. Uh, also, uh, any Visual Studio-focused episodes would be awesome. I realize that this is not Visual Studio Radio, but I'm a developer who geeks out about Visual Studio. Uh, so an episode focused on that would be great. Anyway, thanks for putting out a great podcast, and you guys have a good one. Awesome. Thank you very much, Tim. Good to hear from you. Awesome. Thanks, Tim. So how do people leave a voicemail, Greg? Uh, give us a call, area code uh, 1-425-233-8379. Send us an email. The email's working, radiotfs at outlook.com, via Twitter, at at Radio TFS or even Facebook at Radio TFS. Fantastic. And so we're going to try and do an interview show next, are we? Yes. Brilliant. Let's line it up. Looking forward to it. And uh, let's, let's, uh, let's ask the team to slow down a bit. Otherwise, the news on that interview show will take up <laughs> like 40 minutes. So we only have 10 minutes for the interview. But anyway, it's great to see. Good to speak to you. And uh, thanks to everybody. We'll speak to you next time on Radio TFS. Radio TFS.